Section 12 of The Lane That Had No Turning. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Phil Schempf. The Lane That Had No Turning and Other Tales Concerning the People of Pontiac by Gilbert Parker. The Story of the Lime Burner. For a man in whose life there had been tragedy, he was cheerful. He had a habit of humming vague notes in the silence of conversation, as if to put you at your ease. His body and face were lean and arid, his eyes oblique and small, his hair straight and dry and straw-colored, and it flew out, crackling with electricity, to meet his cap as he put it on. He lived alone in a little hut near his lime-kiln by the river with no near neighbors and few companions save his four dogs, and these he fed sometimes at the expense of his own stomach. He had just enough crude poetry in his nature to enjoy his surroundings, for he was well placed. Behind the lime-kiln rose knoll on knoll, and beyond these the verdant hills, all converging to Dalgrotha Mountain. In front of it was the river, with its banks dropping forty feet, and below the rapids always troubled and sportive on the farther side of the river lay peaceful areas of meadow and cornland and low-roofed hovering farmhouses with one larger than the rest having a windmill and a flagstaff this building was almost large enough for a manor and indeed it was said that it had been built for one just before the conquest in seventeen fifty nine but the war had destroyed the ambitious owner, and it had become a farmhouse. Paradis always knew the time of day by the way the light fell on the windmill. He had owned this farm once, he and his brother Fabian, and he loved it as he loved Fabian, and he loved it now as he loved Fabian's memory. In spite of all, they were cheerful memories, both of brother and house. At twenty-three, they had become orphans, with two hundred acres of land, some cash, horses and cattle, and plenty of credit in the parish, or in the county, for that matter. Both were of hardy dispositions, but Fabian had a taste for liquor, and Henri for pretty faces and shapely ankles. Yet no one thought the worse of them for that, especially at first. An old servant kept house for them, and cared for them in her honest way, both physically and morally. She lectured them when at first there was little to lecture about. It is no wonder that when there came a vast deal to reprove, the bone desisted altogether, overwhelmed by the weight of it. Henri got a shock the day before their father died, when he saw Fabian lift the brandy used to mix with the milk of the dying man, and pouring out a third of a tumbler, drink it off, smacking his lips as he did so, as though it were a cordial. That gave him a cue to his future and to Fabian's. After their father died, Fabian gave way to the vice. He drank in the taverns. He was at once the despair and the joy of the parish, for wild as he was, he had a gay temper, a humorous mind, a strong arm, and was the universal lover. The curé, who did not, of course, know one-fourth of his wildness, had a warm spot for him in his heart but there was a vicious strain in him somewhere, and it came out one day in a perilous fashion. There was in the Hotel of the Louis Cons an English servant from the West, called Nell Barraway. 
she had been in the hotel in montreal and it was there fabian had seen her as she waited at table she was a splendid-looking creature all life and energy tall fair-haired and with a charm above her kind she was also an excellent servant could do as much as any two women in any house and was capable of more airy diablerie than any ten of her sex in pontiac when fabian had said to her in montreal that he would come to see her again he told her where he lived she came to see him instead for she wrote to the landlord of the louis Combs, enclosed fine testimonials and was at once engaged fabian was stunned when he entered the louis Combs and saw her waiting at table alert busy good to behold she nodded at him with a quick smile as he stood bewildered just inside the door then said in english this way monsieur as he sat down he said in english also with a laugh and with snapping eyes good lord what brings you here ladybird as she pushed a chair under him she whispered through his air you and then was gone away to fetch pea soup for six hungry men the louis cons did more business now in three months than it had done before in six but it became known among a few in pontiac that nell was notorious how it had crept up from montreal no one guessed and when it did come her name was very intimately associated with fabian's no one could say that she was not the most perfect of servants and also no one could say that her life in pontiac had not been exemplary yet wise people had made up their minds that she was determined to marry fabian and the wisest declared that she would do so in spite of everything religion she was a protestant character race she was clever as the young seigneur found as the little avocat was forced to admit as the cure allowed with a sigh and she had no airs of badness at all and very little of usual coquetry fabian was enamoured and it was clear that he intended to bring the woman to the manor one way or another henri admitted the fascination of the woman felt it despaired went to montreal got proof of her career came back and made his final and only effort to turn his brother from the girl he had waited an hour outside the hotel for his brother and when fabian got in he drove on without a word after a while fabian who was in high spirits said open your mouth henri come along sleepy-head straightway he began to sing a rollicking song and henri joined in with him heartily for the spirit of fabian's humour was contagious there was a little man the foolish gayeri karabi he went unto the chase of partridges the chase karabi tiki karabi toto karabo you are going to break your neck my lovely gayeri he was about to begin another verse when henri stopped him saying you're going to break your neck fabian what's up henri was the reply you're drinking hard and you don't keep good company fabian laughed can't get the company i want so what i can get i have henri my lad don't drink henri laid his free hand on fabian's knee whiskey wine is meat and drink to me i was born on new year's day old coffin face whiskey wine day they ought to call it holy the empty jars that day henri sighed that's the drink fabian he said patiently give up the company 
I'll be better company for you than that girl, Fabian. Girl? What the devil do you mean? She. Nell Barraway was the company I meant, Fabian. Nell Barraway? You mean her? Bosh! I'm going to marry her, Henri. You mustn't, Fabian, said Henri, eagerly clutching Fabian's sleeve. But I must, my Henri. She's the best-looking, wittiest girl I ever saw. Splendid. Never lonely with her. Looks and brains isn't everything, Fabian. Isn't it, though? Isn't it? Yeah, you try it. Not without goodness, Henri's voice weakened. That's bosh. Of course it is, Henri, my dear. If you love a woman, if she gets hold of you, gets into your blood, loves you so that the touch of her fingers sets your pulses going pom-pom, you don't care a sou whether she is good or not. You mean whether she was good or not. No, I don't. I mean is good or not. For if she loves you, she'll travel straight for your sake. Pshaw! You don't know anything about it. I know all about it. Know all about it? You're in love. You? Yes. Fabian sat open-mouthed for a minute. Go damn, he said. It was his one English oath. Is she good company? he asked after a minute. She's the same as you keep. The same. Viola. You mean Nell? Nell? asked Fabian in a dry, choking voice. Yes, Nell. From the first time I saw her. But I'd cut my hand off first. I'd think of you, of our people that have been here for two hundred years, of the rooms in the old house where mother used to be. Fabian laughed nervously. Holy heaven! And you've got her in your blood, too? Yes, but I'll never marry her. Fabian, at Montreal I found out all about her. She was as bad... That's nothing to me, Henri, said Fabian, but something else is. Here you are now. I'll make a bargain. His face showed pale in the moonlight. If you'll drink with me, do as I do, go where I go, play the devil when I play it, and never squeal, never hang back, I'll give her up. But I've got to have you, got to have you all the time, everywhere, hunting, drinking, or letting alone. You'll see me out, for you're stronger, had less of it. I'm for the little low house in the grass, Vientot. Stop the horses. Henri stopped them, and they got out. They were just opposite the lime kiln, and they had to go a few hundred yards before they came to the bridge to cross the river to their home. The light of the fire shone in their faces as Fabian handed the flask to Henri and said, Let's drink to it, Henri. You have, and me have. He was deadly pale. Henri drank to the finger mark set, and then Fabian lifted a flask to his lips. Goodbye, Nell, he said. Here's to the good times we've had. He emptied the flask and threw it over the bank into the burning lime, and Garat, the old lime burner, being half asleep, did not see or hear. The next day the two went on a long hunting expedition, and the following month, Nell Barraway left for Montreal. Henri kept to his compact, drink for drink, sport for sport. One year the crops were sold before they were reaped. Horses and cattle went little by little. Then came the mortgage, and still Henri never wavered, 
never weakened in spite of the cure and all others the brothers were always together and never from first to last did henri lose his temper or openly lament that ruin was coming surely on them what money fabian wanted he got the cure's admonitions availed nothing for fabian would go his gate the end came on the very spot where the compact had been made for passing the lime-kiln one dark night as the two rode home together fabian's horse shied the bank of the river gave way and with a startled ah henri the profligate and his horse were gone into the river below next month the farm and all were sold henri paradis succeeded the old lime-burner at his post drank no more ever and lived his life in sight of the old home. End of section 12